Welcome to the Australian Christian Lobby's Voice for Values. Welcome to Voice for Values. I'm Martin Isles. Today I want to introduce you to a man named Walt Heyer. Walt was one of the first people in the world to be diagnosed with gender dysphoria and to undergo a gender reassignment surgery. And I want you to get to know Walt because the transgender movement is going from strength to strength. Gender theory is taught in schools, it's promoted by universities, and it's pushed by politicians. And all of that is done in the name of compassion. But Walt has lived the transgender life, and he has a very different view. He speaks not only for himself, but for the countless other lives that he has touched through his transgender regret counselling ministry. He's a unique man with a unique journey and a compelling message. On today's Voice for Values, ACL's Director of Research, Dr. Elizabeth Taylor, sits down for a conversation with Walt. Okay, well, I'm joined today by Walt Heyer, who is visiting us from the US. And uh, Walt has an amazing testimony and a story of his life, and I just wonder if you could share that with us, Walt. Yeah, thank you for having me. Well, I started my little journey uh, at the age of four. So by today's standards, I would have been a transgender kid. That would have been 1944, and of course in 1944 nobody knew what a transgender kid was. They didn't know about gender dysphoria. Uh, But I did know that I was being affirmed and groomed uh, by my grandmother who was affirming me um, as she was a seamstress, made me a purple chiffon dress. Uh, And looking back now, 73 years later, what I realize is that her grooming and affirming my uh, cross-gender behavior was uh, the development of, um, in, in my life, of uh, a lot of discomfort with who I was that eventually became uh, psychologically difficult for me to uh, maintain my original, uh, the gender that God had assigned me, and I assumed the gender that Grandma assigned me. And um, so I worked uh, through that in my mind, again, till I was in my teens, 20s, I eventually got married, had two children, and um, then in my 30s went to one of these people who claims to be a gender specialist and diagnosed me with gender dysphoria or gender identity disorder and said that the cure for those early childhood feelings was to <clears throat> affirm you and to go on cross-gender hormone therapy and undergo gender reassignment surgery. So I followed the protocols, and um, here I am today, detransitioned back. What I learned is that um, being a cross-gender behavior is is not an identity. It's a developmental disorder that starts in your childhood by someone who has affirmed you in that cross-gender behavior and convinced you that you would be better off if you changed your gender and lived out your life as a transgender person, which I did. I went and became Laura Jensen female and lived that way for eight years in San Francisco as transgender Laura Jensen and eventually uh, studied psychology and realized that um, this was actually a developmental, a childhood developmental disorder and that actually required some psychotherapy to recover from. And so uh, with some psychotherapy and better understanding of how gender dysphoria got its name, um, I was redeemed and restored uh, to my life today and have been for over 25 years and thankfully no longer a transgender, 
which is quite a messy life, actually. Mm. So when you said that uh, gender dysphoria is a, a, an idea that's introduced to children, we're told um, repeatedly that gender dysphoria is um, an innate property that can only be known to the child themselves, that uh, everyone is born with this ineffable quality, which is called a gender, and that really it's for parents and adults to uh, back off and not impose any constraints or, or uh, social stereotypes on a child, that this child is born into the world as a sort of blank canvas and we are there to discover what's uh, what's in this package that's been delivered and that only the child can unpack that for us because only uh, only you know in the words of the gender fairy book which has been written for um, children aged four to explain gender transition to them and and, uh, transgenderism and according to the gender fairy only you know uh, who you really are no one can tell you so what do you think about that idea? Well, I, I think it's absolute nonsense um, you, to try to tell me that a, a child, a young child, c- comes out of the womb knowing that their transgender is probably um, about the greatest misconception of who a child is that I've ever heard. Uh, the fact of the matter is that we are introducing children to transgenderism. You know, I'm sitting here thinking that you know, a baby comes out of the womb, the doctor slaps him on the butt, they start to breathe, the little baby slaps him back, the doctor in the face and says, I'm a transgender, don't, don't misdirect who I am here. I mean, this is just pure insanity. The fact of the matter is, <clears throat> we're indoctrinating these big children, uh, these children, we're affirming them into a transgender identity that they otherwise would never have if we didn't introduce it to them. Right. So one of the things that I'm uh, concerned about is that uh, discovering who you really are is held up as the answer to all sorts of other problems. You know, if you're distressed and unhappy about who you are now, well, the answer to all of that is to find out who you really are and to sort of go chasing after nutting out this gender identity and if you can only find that out and so for example in the safe schools program children are told that um, that, uh, gender exists on a spectrum between masculine and feminine and sex exists on a spectrum and uh, sexual orientation exists on a spectrum and that uh, you could be anywhere on on this spectrum they all vary independently of one another and of course the task of teenagers teenagers of adolescence is to find out who you are in the world and that this is being presented as the three building blocks of identity in fact that's exactly how they phrase it the three building blocks of identity if you can just work out which combination of these three things you are then you will have um, found the 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 answer to the the quintessential you Um, and from what you're saying that's holding out a sort of false promise of (laughs) well what they're actually doing is trying to teach you who you really aren't so it's not about finding out who you really are. They're trying to teach you who you really aren't. <laughs> I see. So. Yes. So, you know, they're trying to tell you you're something that you're not because that plays into their agenda and their nonsense. I know that I lived through this and I look back on it and I still continue to say it's child abuse to try to tell someone that they're not who they really are. And that's what they're telling them. They're teaching them who they really are not and trying to get them to behave in a, real, in a lack of reality of who they really aren't. Wow. Thank you. That, thank you for putting that so, so clearly. I think we'll pause there and come back in a moment. Voice for Values at acl.org.au Welcome back to Voice for Values. 
On today's episode, ACL's Director of Research, Dr. Elizabeth Taylor, sits down for a conversation with former transgender Walt Heyer. We're talking about the subject of gender dysphoria in children, mm-hmm. and um, Walt is, is saying that in his uh, opinion, it's, it's dreamt up by adults and imposed on children to teach them who they really aren't. Now, I think this is an interesting idea about identity, and I wonder if you could explain a little bit further, uh, Walter, about um, a, a child's identity, uh, how it is that it's being formed and, and transformed, and who would want to do that to a child? Well, I think there's uh, a lot of people who get very confused about uh, children who are curious about gender. And I think uh, it's very healthy for young people to have a curiosity about gender, about their own identity. What isn't unhealthy is to suggest that they can select a gender like it was a vending machine. And to do this, I think, is where we begin to harm children in suggesting, well, you can just pick any gender you want, you can explore, you can experiment, and you can cruise through this life uh, by testing out these different gender and gender uh, realities. Uh, What I find in working with the people, that's how I came to this conclusion, is that I work with the people on the other end. I work primarily with people who have what we call Mm detransition. They lived the life. They went through it as young people. They come back today, and they're the ones writing me, saying that the whole thing was nonsense. It was the biggest mistake that ever happened to them. Like it was for me with my grandmother cross-dressing me, hundreds Mm. of people that I've worked with come back later on and say, this was the biggest mistake of my life. Why did someone guide me down this path? I was never that person in the first place. It's all fake. It's all nonsense. It's all made up by adults. It's an adult agenda. It's not an agenda put on by young people. Young people don't have any idea what a transgender is. I didn't when I was four years old. Anybody who suggests to me that a two, three, or four-year-old kid knows the consequences of assuming or adopting a different gender identity is absolutely a blithering idiot. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I think that's that's very clear. That there is a, an agenda that I've seen to normalise transgenderism and to say uh, gender expression should be free. We should re- release it from the binary. We shouldn't have these fixed ideas of what men and women look like. Androgyny is very uh, clearly promoted, particularly for young people in the media. And there's this bizarre new um, fashion for drag queens, having drag queens read to toddlers in uh, libraries. Yes. Um, what do you think about that? Well, again, it's indoctrination. This is, this is how we groom people. It's a grooming process. This is a very, in my view, a very sick behavior done by people who really don't care about the children, who are very interested in expanding an agenda that perpetrates these whole group of ideologies about whether it's a drag queen or whether it's a transvestic fetish or whether it's autogynephilia or some other thing that no one's willing to talk about. They're actually sick behaviors. And so we're promoting this to young children. And why today in the last studies that I looked at, age group 12 to 24 are attempting suicide at a rate of nearly 50% in this young population. Why? Because we're teaching them how to be uh, a gender and a person that they're really not. And so they're not equipped psychologically or emotionally or socially to deal with this indoctrination process, this grooming process that's put upon them by adults. And the adults want to do this to young people because that affirms their own sense of who they are? Or well, I think it, in, in their mind, they feel like they're the most enlightened, that they've found some new level of experience in life that's greater than those people who only like male and female. Like mm. there's something beyond that, and it's some kind of magical 
different level. Well, I'm sorry, there isn't anything beyond male and female. Right. It's just uh, some people's imagination to try to expand the male and female into something that isn't. That's why I say we're teaching them who they really aren't. Yes. Uh, what you said just resonated um, very strongly with what something I was saying, quoting yesterday from Ros Ward, who explains that this whole idea that there is a binary, that um, men and women should be heterosexually attracted and uh, marry and live in families and then look after the children in those families, that that's all a an ideology, an ideological construct to just smooth the operation of capitalism for the benefit of the overlords. And, and it's, so it's not just LGBT people will be liberated by the glorious revolution that she envisages. It's all of us poor mugs who didn't realize that we were oppressed into um, believing that we were male or female. <clears throat> well, see, I have the benefit of catching them on the other side. We're, we're talking about people who are just entering this, uh, this world of, quote, transgenderism, which is just a code word for bad behavior. And so what we have is uh, on the other side, the people come to me with tremendous regret, lives that are torn apart. Now they want me to restore their life. This is where I work. This is the area that I work on the other side, the regretters, uh, the people who didn't commit suicide. Mm. Many of them attempted suicide. And so now I'm working with the people from three months to 30 years later. You have these people coming back and saying, this is the biggest mistake of my life. Can you help me restore the life that was taken from me by this whole LGBT agenda? Wow. And, and have they been living with regret for a long time? or? Well, sometimes uh, it takes, once they realize it, uh, people report as much as two or three years they live wondering, how do I get out of this? You know, where do I go? Where do I turn to? Mm -hmm. And so they see my website, sexchangeregret.com. They contact me and say, how do I restore my life? Can you help me? And that's where I begin to affirm them that it's okay to detransition because you actually never change genders in the first place. Mm. I think that what your your work is really at the heart of all of this because everybody who feels the distress of people and and I understand the distress of, of um, gender dysphoria as it's termed is, um, is is very upsetting for people. Um, and everybody would want to help them, but you're saying that actually affirming them or um, acknowledging them as a gender, anything other than um, cognizant with their biological sex, that that's not helping them. Yeah, if you're affirming them in the opposite gender that they were given birth to, then what you're doing is furthering your agenda. You're not helping the child. You're, they're going to follow you because they're young, but they're only going to follow you for a while. We already know that somewhere between 70 and 94% of them by adulthood wish they hadn't got into that and will grow out of it. If we don't ingest them with hormones, if we don't continue to affirm them, if we do, we can actually manufacture more transgender kids. Is that what we really want to do? I say no. Voice for Values from the Australian Christian Lobby at acl.org.au.